Hi everyone, welcome back to another show. Today with me, David Priest, Principal Solutions Consultant at Christori, a true master of resource planning and an expert in automation, specifically in intraday automation within the realm of workforce management. Join us for a great conversation. Hi, David. How are you doing? Welcome to our I'm show. I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a busy day, but I, I think we saved the best for the end. It's almost the end of my day. And the best is going to be our conversation for sure. Fantastic. Um, Thank you. So yeah. before we, we go into all the juicy details about your career and about like the different topics that I have prepared, I wanted to maybe have you do a brief introduction about yourself. You have an extensive experience in this field, mainly on the resource and capacity planning from actually multiple angles, from the automation angle, from actually being the one doing the job. So I, I think you have a, a very unique perspective. I would love to know in a brief story your journey. And then my first question would be, when did you decide that this is going to be your career? What point in time you made that that call? Deciding whether this was going to be my career or not, I don't think that actually happened. I just suddenly discovered after being pitched into it that I was quite good at it. So I've ended up being involved in resource planning since about 1998. And I've done absolutely every part of it. So I've looked at real time, I've done forecasting, I've been involved in scheduling, capacity planning, done it for front office, back office. But yeah, like I said, I just sort of fell into it. One day I was working in a brand new contact center and suddenly they had a requirement to understand their forecasts and to build a working schedule. And I was interested immediately by that. So I was the one who tried to understand where the volumes that we were handling were coming from and how we were to suddenly staff up a much longer opening time that we had and suddenly our staffing grew so using good old excel built like an eight week repeating pattern and it sort of went from there from that moment on i was kind of headhunted into a planning role at a a prominent outsourcer a bpo and i was either hooked on it or trapped in it depending on what your point of view is so it would be more the career choose you and not you choosing the career oh, without a shadow of a doubt i think before that i've been trying to do everything i've been involved in contact centers i've been a training manager a team leader a coach not i was okay at pretty much everything but then suddenly i was thrown into this and it just felt really really natural so it just always seemed to be to be the best place to stay. I've I've done really well with it. I've worked for mm-hmm. some really big companies. I had two years working at the Professional Planning Forum, the UK industry body, really for contact centre planning. And now I found myself in the in the vendors seat dealing with intraday automation software. From the extensive career you had, and especially from, I mean, I, I would argue that you probably saw all the shapes and forms that the industry had over the last years. Where do you think that the the biggest innovations happened and how much did that shape your approach and your team's approach over time to resource planning and capacity management? I think the first really big sort of innovation that I ever saw in contact centers was the introduction of workforce management software because I'd never I'd never seen 
anything like that before. So suddenly to have that thrown at me and realize that you could you could build forecasting patterns and you could construct schedules and you could do that at scale and at speed, that was a, a really tremendous sort of innovation. I think the next really big innovation is what I'm working with now, which is intraday automation software. I think that's the first thing which has really moved everything along since since the dawn of you know WFM. I think outside systems, the, the biggest innovation I've I've ever been part of was trying to provide forecasts, understanding of volumes for a claims center in an insurance company. Effectively, I was being asked to try and predict the UK weather. My very sort of famous answer to that was, if I could do that, I wouldn't be wasting my time in this job. I'd be I'd be doing something much more productive. But the the innovation that we, that we came up with was to categorize weather events and go back over the previous couple of years and have a look at weather information and then find the data about volumes and about workloads that went alongside those. So then we could build up a really big catalog, really, of events and where the workload went and how the workload moved. That meant that we couldn't necessarily predict weather, but once a weather event started, we could quickly categorize it and then we could quickly say to the business, okay, this is what we're expecting you to see over the next couple of days and here is how we think you should move your workforce around. So putting lots of people on first notification of loss and then moving people away from that, moving people into case management, et cetera. So it gave them a much clearer view of how to actually handle an event once it was happening. It's like, it's like a decision tree of like the different paths you can take, knowing that this has different ripple effects over over time and you are able to react to them. I think I so, yeah. It, even it predict kind of some of the effects, yeah. Yeah, and it, and it was, you know, t- typically we were learning from each one of those things. So we'd, we'd, we'd be able to understand more and more as we went down, down the line and as we experienced more weather events. It became clearer, and the, the correlation between sort of the you know the data and the weather event became tighter and tighter, and it became a much more powerful forecasting tool. I always loved yeah. that. Yeah, I, I would say that from what you are saying, I think it's very clear that drive for problem solving and automation and the different waves that the industry has has had. I wanted to pinpoint a bit on the intraday automation you mentioned. I know it's something that you are very deeply working on uh, with your company. I wanted to to understand like how is your experience and expertise with intraday automation? How do you, how much do you think that these solutions can actually shape the future of of the WFM? And what is your perspective on the capacity to optimize staffing and and kind of the overall happiness on the works on the workplace? Yeah, um, I was lucky enough to have lots of sort of experience in workforce optimization and efficiency before I even heard about intraday automation. So, uh, you know, when I was involved in a planning team, I'd always wished for something that would allow me and my team to sort of quickly and intelligently change path. If you like, do a, a complete about face of 180 degrees, we, we really needed to. 
to try and get the plans and reality to align in some way. Now, I always thought that in every business I worked in, not enough time and effort was being spent on getting the long-term planning right. So we were throwing all of our resource and all of our effort and really all of our technology at trying to fix things at the very last minute. Intraday automation, if anything, should really allow a business to refocus its efforts on getting its long-term plans, its capacity plans, its hiring plans, that the long-term forecasting, really understanding the drivers behind your demand to get them right. And then, you know, allow the AI-driven machines to make that meshing together of the gears of the plan and reality as easy and as pain-free as it possibly can be. I genuinely think if you can get the overall numbers right in terms of demand and supply and then focus your on, on understanding your true shrinkage drivers and, you know, what's creating them, you've got more chance then of having headcount numbers in the right ballpark at least. And then you can flex and change and redeploy and match all of the volatile demand levels that your business is experiencing. So I see it's kind of a fundamentally different viewpoint than we see in most businesses, even even today. Now, you mentioned there sort of how we can affect overall workforce happiness as well. Yes. And I think that comes from a truly benef- mutually beneficial level of flexibility and compromise between the workforce and the business. You know, I've always said that on any individual plan, on any day, we don't need person X to be working on a particular shift. We need someone with person X's skills, maybe, but we don't necessarily need them. So allowing people to chop and change schedules shouldn't cause you as a team or you as a business any pain. That economy of scale is one of the benefits of being in a contact center after all. And, you know, in fact, being truly flexible can help you to address that shift in flex problem that is inevitable Mm -hmm. in business and it can smooth your supply to sort of match your demand levels. So in the end of the day, it's an additional weapon. A weapon is probably not the best word, but it's an additional resource and tool that the operational teams can have to maximize their their Absolutely. And it's absolutely key. You know, I mean, in terms of, you know, work for your workforce, your colleagues, Working in a contact center, which is really, really rigid, you tend to find out that attempts to make schedules or the plans fair on everyone, it makes it unfair on everyone instead because, you know, there'll be people in your organization who want to work those particular shifts or don't mind working more Saturdays. So QStory's aim has always been to try and power better every day. And that's just for your business and for, you know, for everybody involved in your business, your your colleagues as well. So this month we've launched a brand new module called Agent Flex, which is going to bring even more flexibility to the agents, but it's going to protect your customer experience as well. So we're envisaging a society, a society really of, of contact center planners, whereby you've got people producing schedules but then those schedules are, well, we need someone here. We don't necessarily need you. So if we can chip away at the, the sharp edges of some of those schedules, then we can come up with a, a much more, as I said before, mutually beneficial 
situation for both the workforce and for the business as well. It's a win-win game for for both sides. I agree. I, w- I was going to do a, an analogy. So between what you were saying, so I think about these new AI-driven uh, automation uh, tools, and I would say mindset that everyone has in mind. One of the things that it's how do we leverage AI? And, and it's funny because there is a lot of new courses being done about learning how to do prompts. So basically, you are learning how to prompt AI to actually give you what you want. In the end of the day, that is using AI to enable you to do something better, which is not very different from what you are describing to a certain extent. So it's the tools having the flexibility for you to do everything better, like maximizing that ability to not being person, specific person, but someone with the skills and you create the flexibility. You are using the tools to leverage your work and to empower you as well. So to a certain extent, it's it's actually well connected and it's very human driven as well on the, the actual outcome. The, the aim is is definitely to provide something which is mutually beneficial for all. So those sort of prompts, those parameters that you give the system to say, well, this is possible and this isn't, mm-hmm. that's got to be flexible by each individual business because a one-size-fits-all approach to that bigger companies or companies with different challenges, all of a sudden your AI solution won't work nearly as well at all for for those as opposed to, you know, your medium-sized companies. So they've got to be like completely flexible so that people can configure these in the way and get those prompts right so that it's going to produce the best outcome for your business. And also your business's challenges today aren't necessarily your business's challenges in three months' time or or later this week or, you know, the beginning of the month compared with the end of the month. So you need that flexibility and that approach to be able to use your understanding of your business and the challenges that it currently faces mm-hmm. to get your system to do all of that work for you and come up with the, the best possible outcome for you in that moment. Yeah, to a certain extent, it makes that unique uh, because it's then adapted to each business. I I, I like what, what you just said. I, I wanted to explore a bit more on, on key stories and this AI-driven approach. You mentioned about the intro automation. We just spoke about the AI in a more wider perspective, but I wanted to have in a context of the, I would say, for let's say the contact centers and the resor- different resources, the different works between workforce management and business. We spoke about the happiness, the, uh, the happiness uh, within the workplace. I wanted to speak more about the happiness within the workforce teams itself. So how do you, do you have examples or stories that you could share on how the experience with AI automation can make the teams that are actually doing the job happier and more productive in the day to day? Yeah, they definitely do. We've got some some challenges when it comes to in people who have been involved in doing sort of you know resource planning, using whatever particular system to to accept change, and we do we we're very successful at it, but we're aware that there are. People have been using that same WFM system for 10 years and they've built processes to fill the gaps left by those particular systems and they're used to a particular way of working. Um, but I think universally, 
right the way across our customer base, planning teams are embracing the benefits that we can give them. So, you know, one of the big complaints that we've always received is I'm a real-time analyst, but I don't do any analysis. So um, a lot of people are engaged in performing, for want of a better word, secretarial duties. They're actually booking time offline for people. They're managing people's diaries. They're doing manual updates on systems. They're, they're checking one system against another. They're making entries in books, maintaining overtime lists. All of that being done in the name of analysis, when really the business and the team are screaming out for somebody to go, actually close this loop. This is the plan. This is what happened. What have we learned from that? And what can we take forward? And we save businesses thousands of hours a year from manual updates. And part of our onboarding process, if you like, when we're talking to these planning teams and when we're talking to new customers is if we can give you X thousand hours a year, what are you going to use it for? So it gives them an opportunity to sort of break away from the processes that they're thinking of. You know, we do have, we do see a tendency for people to look at our system and go, it's great, but how will I be able to use this to do X activity when what the really can be thinking about is you know hooray we don't need to do x activity anymore because q story will sort it out for us um you do need that sort of right mindset to be able to grab hold of that thankfully all of our customers are enthusiastically embracing the opportunity to take more time to look at the outcomes of what's actually happened I like that. I, sorry to interject. I like that you mentioned something that I like to call the informed decision making. So there is a lot of you mentioned people that they cannot do part of their job description, which is actually analyze and provide insights. And I think one of the questions I really wanted to ask is how do we workforce planners and how everyone in workforce management can evolve to data driven insights, guide the business, help and being part of the decision making process with informed decisions. And I think data informed decision-making is very powerful. And I wanted to, to, to know from how do you see not only intraday automation, but I would say even to a certain extent more than that, being kind of developed in the, in the relationship between the business and workforce management and how critical that actually is to success. I think genuinely as we go forward into the, the new world and into the future, I think businesses are going to be differentiated upon based on the strength of their planning teams and how their planning teams understand the data and use it to their benefit. One of the great benefits of being in, involved in contact centers is the access to, or the potential access to a lot of performance data, uh, a lot. Some of it, we don't need to focus on, but we do. Some of it we should be focusing on, but we're not because you know the focus is in definitely the wrong place. But data is absolutely key. And the more we can understand it, the more time we can spend understanding what that data is telling us, then the better for both the team and for the business. You know, so we understand that not all pieces of data are available. So I'm particularly thinking here of things like back office 
work whereby you've got timings for particular activities. It's based on a on a, a monitor, if you like, a, a time and motion study. Um, and you get you end up with a reasonable assumption. But I think it, as long as you understand that that's a reasonable assumption and you're very transparent about that within your business, you're actually going to be able to say, this is what we think and this is what it's based on A, B, C, D and E. Talk to the, the the experts in the business and you know to make sure that they're happy with that sort of set of assumptions. If that's as close as you can get the data to start off with to make your decisions on, then so be it. As long as everybody knows and understands the inherent possibilities for weakness in that particular piece of information, then you know, okay, as long as people are being given the opportunity to sort of freely challenge that and draw their own conclusions. I normally call that benchmark planning, which is you try to create a benchmark, a series of variables and assumptions that you believe to be the best. You sign off with the business and then you keep benchmarking against, against that standard. And then it becomes no longer the standard and you have a new benchmark. So I call it benchmark planning. I never heard someone calling like that, but I have been calling that for a while, which I think it's what you were describing to start with. It's when you don't have the data, at least you have a process that helps I, I like it. I like benchmark plan. I'm, I'm going to steal benchmark plan if that's all right. <laughs> use feel, feel free. Feel free. I I I did not patent it, so it's not. <laughs> <laughs> there is no no penalties on that. So to leverage as well on on your careers, you mentioned the difference. We already spoke about the different variables, factors, um, that are in the different resource planning activities, like forecasting, scheduling, real time adjustments. You mentioned about like all the bureaucratic changes. I'm keen on, on having your insights and thoughts about what challenges do you think there are more common within the space as of today? And how much do you think that implementing, like, for instance, let's let's focus on internet automation. How, how much do you feel like those changes in or implementations can help navigate those new challenges and, and overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, okay. So I think there's, I think planning... I think businesses everywhere have got some really unique challenges, but I think a lot of the, the really common ones are trying to understand the hybrid workforce. I think there seems to be an understanding that they're very, very difficult to sort of plan for and live with. And I'm not entirely convinced, but that, that seems to be the, the standard I'm, I'm reading about. I think understanding various elements about new channels so things like asynchronous messaging trying to understand how you directly plan for that activity i think is a challenge that a load of businesses that we're talking to are facing but i think the number one challenge has been a number one challenge for the last 15 years and that is trying to make sure that your workforce are fully updated, fully informed, highly engaged, well-trained, well-motivated, and willing to stay with you for you know increasing lengths of time. That workforce happiness, I think, is that the whole sort of umbrella that that falls under. I think that's a real challenge, especially now that people are able to work from home, especially now as the younger people are entering the job market and they're expecting different things from their employer. They want their employer to be able to fully engage with them before they'll fully engage with you. But 
what intraday automation can really give businesses is that ability to have such an up-to-date view about what your demand and your supply position looks like that you can start to give people a little bit more control over what they're doing and when they're doing it. And workforce happiness spreads from springs, sorry, from being feeling that you are involved in some of the decision processes, feeling that you are a human being that the, the business actually sort of cares about. So every time there's a one to one or a training session that gets cancelled because we're too busy, you know, we've got to put the customer first, that has an impact on an agent. That has an impact on their understanding about how much you care about their development, their career. Every time somebody gets a shift that they don't want or they have a life event that you're not willing to compromise with and try and find a solution for, that has an impact on agent happiness and agent engagement. We've only got to look back a few years ago when the fashion was to try and drive average handling times down as low as you possibly could. We all know, we knew then and we know even more so now that that is sort of counterintuitive and breeds really, really poor behaviours. Yeah. But we were doing that because the service level at the end of the day was seen as much more important than the people who were trying to get you that service level. And the modern workforce just sort of will vote with defeat. They won't handle that. They won't accept that. And so enabling them to be involved in that sort of decision-making process, whereby, yes, I I quite like to not come in on Monday morning. I want to work on Saturday afternoon instead. And giving them that flexibility to do that without hurting the plan and without transferring all that sadness over to your customer's experience, I think that's that's a really big benefit. And customers, companies, sorry, that can do that, they're going to have a really big advantage when it comes to retaining their, their workforce that they want to. You know, those, those people that they would rather keep and develop, they, they're really going to have the edge over companies that, that don't think in that particular way. It definitely shows a change in mindset, an evolution in the mindset, which I think it's very powerful. So I think we have been still very grounded to the present, even though we're talking about a few things that feel a bit future for certain companies, but I think everything we have been speaking exists or is at a different maturity level that exists. I wanted to have your thoughts about what the future, what you envision the future of uh, workforce management to be, especially in the light of the new AI automations. I think all the different dynamics on this workspace, where, where do you envision our next steps to be? Well, it's hopefully it's a really blank canvas, isn't it? And you know, we can go anywhere with this. But I've said there before, I think businesses will begin to be genuinely differentiated upon by the strength of their planning team, because I think the planning function will become much more of a central key part of a wider operation. So instead of being a cost center, I think planning will truly be seen as the driver of great customer experience, fantastic colleague interactions, and you know, successful, profitable businesses. We spoke there before about 
analysts being free to analyze that's that's coming definitely that's just people are beginning to open their eyes about that but the power of a real-time analyst the power of a, a scheduling analyst being able to have a look at what they're doing and say why did this happen and how do we prevent it from happening again that's going to be able to give the business real genuine insight into the drivers behind sort of any performance failures or or you know in particular for the way that their colleagues the, the workforce are behaving real-time teams well i think they'll they'll be recognized as the tremendous fonts of knowledge that they actually are you know i, I think i think the definition of the modern workplace is kind of actually up in the air at the moment I mentioned just there there seems to be a bit of a backlash against hybrid working models at the moment and a number it's of evolving business. definitely it's evolving yeah definitely. it is definitely they're saying that they're unmanageable and they're causing problems again i'm not convinced but we wait to see whether we go back to fully remote or whether you know we go back to 100 in the office but either way automation not just intraday automation but automation of you know from crm perspectives and ai driven sort of customer interactions they're going to be at the heart of making this whatever the new environment is really successful we'll we q story will make it much easier for businesses to engage with the workforce and hopefully retain their skills and those businesses that don't have flexibility to satisfy the needs of colleagues or customers they'll they'll be in they'll be really up against it they'll have a real struggle and i think i think there's many changes about what the the, the future buzzword will be if you remember rightly a couple of years ago the, the key word seemed to be omni-channel but i'm seeing that less and less these days i think as the focus is now on just being able to provide the customer with the service that they want and need but i think the focus at the moment does seem to be on balance mm -hmm. uh, and about making sure that everybody in that environment customers and colleagues are, yeah. are just as happy yeah I, there was a previous guest that actually mentioned about i totally think that we never even achieved what omni-channel is by definition so when we define omni-channel i never saw anyone achieving that to the full extent of what it means i think the best way i always in my head dreamed or think thought about this is like ways and or any map uh, navigation system where you your journey is course correct based on what is happening so when you have a new customer coming in you need to figure out what he needs and you then provide him the best channel to interact with him and help him solve or address whatever problem. I really think that's, I don't know what to call it, but like I, I call it like the, the ways version of like service. And I think that's where I feel more companies mindset are is like, I need to provide what my customers needs and in a, in a way that addresses and, and either self-services or helps them be like engaged with with my company without being always me fighting for retention uh or for repurchase I, it, it's a a balance i think that uh, it's like a dance we are trying to figure out what's the next step and i totally agree with you that it's still an open an open canvas we are trying to figure out where to place the pieces we have to we have to be really really careful because that mindset of i need to be able to provide my customer whatever they need that falls by the wayside pretty quickly when businesses realize how expensive that truly is because the customer 
might want to in, interact over a number of different channels. And then what happens is businesses then tend to think, okay, well, what our customer really wants is this, which happens to be the cheapest channel for us to be able to, you know, to provide a service for. And often that's just a recipe for disaster because it's not really what the customer wants. It's what the, the company wants to be able to provide. So that's kind of a cyclical thing. We have to be really, really careful. If we're going to say we want to provide a service for our customers exactly what they need, we've got to mean that. We've got to mean that as a business. We've got to enable our custom, our contact centers, our customer support centers to be able to provide that. We've got to give them the systems, the training, the knowledge, the access. We've got to give them that data, which will enable all of those systems to interact and actually provide a highly skilled, trained agent with the ability on whatever channel to actually give a gold level service. But as I said, that does come at a cost. And if you're going to upset that cost by sending a lot of people down self-service routes, well, your self-service uh, solution, uh, that had better be right. That had better be you know, yeah. actually providing the service that people really, really want. I, I, I agree. So Dave, we are getting close to the end, but before I ask you for kind of like your advice to to the, to the to our listeners, I, I just wanted to go back to you as an individual. So we you had for sure you had a you have been doing a, a great career you have worked in like i don't know many projects and, and and different implementations across the years i wanted to just ask like is there any story like more on the funny side that you could share about like a rookie mistake you made in your past career that you look back and now you can make fun of it that you can be kind of an advice for people that are starting now yeah, God, where where do I start? I think I think that my biggest my biggest error. It's not really a particularly funny story or anything like that. But my biggest error was when I started off doing forecasting. I became kind of obsessed with the numbers within my forecast, actually, as opposed to what this meant for the business or for people, or for customers. It was a matter of I needed to be able to build a really, really complicated model in Excel that could cover absolutely every eventuality and spit out a series of numbers at the end, which I would then obsess about. And if I was more than 5% away from those numbers, I would be very unhappy. But I was trying to refine things to get closer and closer and closer to a number. What I realized after a long period of time was that I got exactly the same sort of level of um, approval for my forecasts. If I said, well, we're going to get between 200 and 250, as opposed to we're going to get 227. And what I actually got was a lot less pushback if I said, this is the range, we can handle this amount to this amount. This is what I think we're going to be. Because I was more often than not, I was right, because I wasn't trying to chase a single number. So my reputation as a forecaster went up because 
I spread the range about what my forecasts actually were going to be. That's my advice to anybody who's doing any sort of forecasts going forward, long-term forecasts in particular. But if you're going to be able to say, here is the range of possibilities based on what we've got, based on A, B, C, D, E, F, and G, it's going to come in between here and here. Right? You can then go on to say our staffing levels can handle between here and here and where those intersect that's your your sort of green sweet spot if you like that's if that happens then we're fine if if we're above that in in my sort of bandwidth then we might have a particular issue but that would be just my biggest advice to anybody who doesn't want to make that rookie mistake if you are looking for numbers forget about detail and total accuracy be realistic you know, a forecast is either lucky or wrong, is what they say, isn't it? So if you can give people a workable bandwidth instead of an exact number, you'll be much more appreciated and much more successful. We actually had, a, like a few episodes ago, someone that spoke about that same concept, and we called it the pursuit of perfection, that even breaks your mental health to a certain extent, because oh, you are it's desperate horrific. to get that number right, knowing that it's always going to be wrong, most likely. And if you get it right, and it's sometimes, like... <laughs> yeah, and I've worked in, in businesses where I was one percent out, but we couldn't handle that one percent variance. And yes. I worked in other parts of the same business where I was ten percent out, but it was fine because of the volumes involved and the, the the timing of each particular contact. It meant the way that our staffing worked as well. It meant that ten percent was that's okay, but other ones I could be, I could be as I said within one percent, but that one percent was critical to the to the business so it's, pursuit of perfection is as you said, it's just it's just going to damage yourself you're just going to become obsessed like i was i think it's a, it's definitely a great advice my next question to you is advice on actually organizations that are now striving to optimize their workforce planning and the kind of like the benefits through intraday automation or automation in general and to create more productive and empower and empowering environment what would be your advice for the organizations that are now pursuing that thing? Well, it'd be remiss of me working for QStory if I didn't say my advice would be to buy <laughs> QStory and implement that. But in all, in all seriousness, I think businesses, everybody needs to look to automate processes that they can. So without or with or without the systems to enable you to do it to, to great depth. Take out layers of unnecessary approval. They're outdated. Having war rooms where people all get together to decide exactly what it is that you can do. You don't need to do that. Take out that, those unnecessary approval layers and make change, adaptability and flexibility as easy as possible. Give your agents much more control. Not 100% control. We're not talking about making everything a, a free-for-all. You can still keep a focus on the plan and keep control of the plan um, and keep control of how we give the best service to customers, but allow your agents more movement and be a little less stringent about that. You know, use those economies of scale that you've got. Your big organizations, you've got people all in one place doing the same thing. That, that gives you that economy of scale. And if you can, use intraday automation to allow you more time to understand why things are happening you know on that subject we've got a on part of our 
solution is a, a, a module called the why detector, which allows you to really understand why things have happened. And then once you've got that, let your big brained people in resource planning show you how you can prevent those problems from happening again. And I suppose finally, go back to something you know, I've said a lot, use that time afforded to you by any automation that you've got to look for better ways of doing things. In my career, I've never been satisfied that what I was doing was the ultimate. I always had an open mind and was like, tell me, tell me the better way to do this. Where, What is there? Is there another option available to me that can make this better and smoother? So, don't stand still, whatever you're doing, whichever way that you're going to move, whichever way that your business is going, don't stand still because that ultimately means that you'll end up going backwards and other people who aren't standing still, they'll overtake you and they'll get the advantage. What what a way to end. David, thank you so much for joining. It was thank a you. pleasure having you as a guest. And to everyone listening, I hope you guys learned something and you continue your pursuit on automation, intraday automation eventually, and continue to optimize uh, your workforce. Thank you. Thank you.